Hi, I'm Sally. I'm Linda. And I'm Ming. Pour yourself a cup of tea and join us for this week's episode of Moving Oolong. Welcome back, y'all. It's another episode, and today, um, none of us, again, are experts on this subject, but we're very excited to talk about it, and Linda and I have anecdotal experience, I guess. But basically, today, we're going to be talking about traditional Chinese medicine, aka TCM, and we're going to be sharing um, some foundational principles about it, our own anecdotal experience with TCM, and... At the end, you might get some secret recipes that have been passed down in our families. So stay tuned for that. Um, but first, let's get into our weekly recap. So, Linda, how was your week? I feel like so many things have happened this week, but more directly, there's like a crime scene outside my house right now. And the what? whole time before this episode, we were like looking through the window. Um, my housemate and I, like they have a forensics van and they're like digging around this car. They like open the trunk and so we were just watching them and they had like detectives and then like the forensics person. I don't know. It's they're all out there. And then my housemate and I, we both watched like Chronal Minds and stuff, so we were like Oh, now they're getting the fibers. Oh, DNA. Oh my and then they pulled out like a huge safe. And you can see like the detectives just like looking like detectives. I don't know. And then we saw this like <laughs> this guy like lurking around and we were like, he looks suspicious. But then he turned around, he's wearing like the forensics jacket. And then he was like <laughs> getting to work. <laughs> but it's really directly right outside our house. And like the forensics van is parked like right in front of it so we were like oh my god um and they were there for a while just like poking around the car and we love being nosy so mm. <laughs> that's happening right now i'll probably take a look after we finish recording to see to see what's up but other than that um i went to a high school volleyball game on friday and that was really fun because we were supporting M's younger sister. And I was like so into it. Like whenever they mm -hmm. made a play or whatever. And then whenever they would like serve and have it score sort a of point, M and I were like service ace. <laughs> and <laughs> it was fun to kind of get into sports and like support someone. Um, what happened other Nah. Oh, we went climbing. <laughs> uh, As usual. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Anything at work? Okay. Oh. What? Oh, oh, oh my god. Speaking of climbing and work, <laughs> so my coworkers gave me an Earthtrex gift card today. And I think it was like so thoughtful because I brought it up like one time that it was like my new hobby and they remembered and they sent it to me. So I was like so touched by that. And I was like, y'all, I'm crying. I said it in like our team's <laughs> chat and I was like, I'm going to get swole for our company. And then oh my gosh. I was like, okay. 
They probably regret yeah, that. It was like so saying, surprising. Why did they give it to you so early? It's like two hours. They two said days it was so. It was so I can use it this weekend if I wanted to because oh, I knew mm-hmm. I was like out on Friday. Oh, you're out on Friday? Yeah. Hmm. You know, it's a thing to take off on your birthday in the corporate yeah, world. Yeah, at my office too. Like people yeah. will take off. They're like, I should have done not that. Used to it. <laughs> I was attacked for working on my birthday. Like every time I talk to someone, they're like, is it your birthday? Why are you working? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I had to go to school on my birthday. So yeah, we're kind of yeah. used to it. But Linda, is that all for your week? That's all. Okay. I can pick it up because I want to talk about rock climbing this week. <laughs> I feel like in past weeks, I ha- we had to like keep it contained, you know, not to scare away our audience. But this week I'm talking about rock climbing. <laughs> So I hope you enjoy. Okay. Um, Who's going to be scared yeah. away? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But um, while Linda was watching a volleyball game on Friday, I went um, climbing with, with um, some of our friends, with the boys, as they call themselves, at a different gym in Colombia, which was really nice. And that was fun. Um, nothing too significant there, actually. But it was weird to be without you guys to like not. I was telling Linda, it's weird to not have one of the two of you like egging me on or something like that because the boys don't do enough egging (laughs) so I had to egg myself (laughs) and then um I guess I was like really hyped up on climbing because I went again on Sunday um I was in the area and I had time so I just went climbing at the same gym by myself and again I had to egg myself on so (laughs) It was better than the last time when I, mean, I went you came solo on Monday climbing. and it was like beast mode. Yeah, yeah which I was all your secret really training really paid off. Okay, but during my secret <laughs> training, I spent half the time just sitting on the mat reading our book club book because. <laughs> oh, that's what oh. I should be doing. Yeah, you need to activate your mind and your body. Um, yeah, so I was really surprised on Monday when we went climbing together. I was feeling kind of sore, but. I pulled it out, you know, and then... You sent everything that we couldn't send. <laughs> we, uh, Linda and I were like, what is going on today? Like, It's like a bad day. It was like really a very bad day training. for both yeah. of us. And Ming was excelling. Beast mode. I took all your strength. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was very surprising. But um, I kept talking about this to my mom and to Stefan. And then I think to Linda and anyone who will listen that climbing is so fulfilling when you finally send something that you've been working on. because. That that one V two mm-hmm. climb that we were we couldn't even like two weeks ago we couldn't even get off like the start of it mm-hmm. like it was hard enough to do that and the fact that like you guys are close to sending it I sent it on Monday it's just I was not close to sending it okay you no you were close Sally you were only a few holds away but uh. it's like such a tangible form of progression which is really nice to see it's very satisfying so yeah I think I am about ready to um sign up for the permanent membership when this, commit. Wow. yeah i think i'm gonna commit when this two month expires so i gotta keep seeing the progression i gotta level up and catch up with tim who's climbing like v3s mm-hmm. and fours so. so when are you gonna send that noodle v1 i sent it she oh, sent yeah. it oh yeah, yeah sorry. sorry i blacked out <laughs> you were the one that recorded the video <laughs> you blacked out i blacked out while i was climbing it <laughs> Yeah, that was really satisfying. A really nice way to end it, too, because it's horrible when everyone else climbs it and sends it like weeks before you and then you're still struggling. So I'm glad I got that done. But yeah, I'm 
was feeling really fulfilled from climbing. And I guess I was trying to get it all in before we all get busy this week and then like don't have time. So yes, that was very satisfying. And it was like the bright spot in my week because work has been pretty rough. Just a lot going on. I had a like a four hour meeting today. So I'm a little brain dead from like just staring at my computer. But I don't know. It's nice to have the physical and mental like escape, I guess, of climbing. Yeah. And it feels really nice to do it after work because Mm -hmm. it's like something you can look forward to during work. And because it's usually on a Monday, you know, Mondays always suck. But because there's climbing at the end of the day, I can get through it. Yeah, I agree. It's nice because you're not just looking forward to the weekends. Yeah. Which... It's fine, but it's like nice to have something else mm-hmm. in the meantime. So, Sally, how is your work? Um, actually, I think I'm kind of the opposite of you. Work has been oh. pretty chill this week, surprisingly. I think because I kind of like for my current collaborations, I've done my part, and it's like they're on them to do their part now. So, I'm only working on finishing my own projects this week, and. <laughs> The like most stressful thing is I've been, uh, so we've had this collaboration that's been going on for like almost a year or maybe half a year now. Um, and we haven't, we've kind of been ghosting them because we have inconclusive results as always, <laughs> but my mentor is like making me, um, finish this PowerPoint summary of what we've been doing for them for the past few months. And every time I think it's like almost done, he's like, oh, you should add this. And he's like, oh, this isn't really a conclusion. We need to like look at the data again. So I've been revising this PowerPoint, I think at least 10 times. And I just want to send it out. But I think I'm close. I think I can just wrap it up. And then finally this week, I'll be done with all of my projects that I've been dragging on and have a fresh start hopefully next week. But um, other than that... um, I guess it's kind of work-related, but I went out on Friday night <laughs> in Frederick with my coworkers and um, some other people, but mo- mostly just my coworkers from lab. And it was really fun. We went bar hopping. So we started out at a brewery and then walked downtown and went to two bars, um, made them get two rounds of tequila shots, my signature, oh my and also tried the Girl Scout <laughs> shot. That was recommended by my coworker, and it was really good. So if you like the mints, <laughs> I highly recommend the Girl Scout shot. Um, and then we ended up in a dive bar, which was also fun because people were dancing. And I haven't danced since our time in college, like mm. at a dancing bar. So mm-hmm. that was really fun. Did it not feel weird to be out with like coworkers? Or I guess it, well, was everyone like on the same level? Yeah, we're kind of all the same, similar levels, and mm-hmm. we've gotten pretty close at work because we get lunch together. So, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was weird or anything, even though some of my coworkers are a little bit older. Um, well, one of them is older, and her husband and like her friend from another lab also came, and they were like thirty or like just turning thirty or early thirties. So I thought it would be a little bit awkward with the age gap but you know we all got along pretty well so mm. i guess that's what alcohol does to you too <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> two shots of tequila yeah. <laughs> would you consider them friends like yeah. are they at the friend point i think so yeah i yeah. tell them everything 
Well, not okay, maybe not as much as I tell you guys, but like most things. I would hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what else happened. I think my other updates are the same. Oh, I picked up my pottery from Mm. the kiln Mm. on Sunday and that was it. Some of the things didn't turn out as I thought they would in terms of the color. And like one of my pots, one of my bigger pots cracked because it was like too thick at the bottom and too thin at the top. I think the difference in thickness made it crack. So it was a little sad because that was like one of the things I was looking forward to um, coming out of the kiln. But I think there were some pretty cool things um, and some not so cool things, but it's fine. <laughs> what are you going to do now? Like do more classes? Yeah, or? I signed up for the next session, but it's just mm-hmm. a normal pottery mm-hmm. session. Yeah, nothing exciting. Alrighty, today we're going to be talking about traditional Chinese medicine, or TCM, as Sally so kindly put it at the start of this episode. And I also want to reiterate what she said beforehand, that we are not experts, especially not me. I have no knowledge coming into this. But um, Sally and Linda have some anecdotal knowledge from growing up, and also they took a nice course to further their understanding of it. So hopefully we all learn something new. But since I don't have any anecdotal knowledge uh, from any family traditions growing up, um, I thought that I would give you all some background, some context of TCM, where it came from and um, why we're talking about it, I suppose. Um, so when I looked it up, uh, I found a lot of sources, but mainly everyone agreed that it was around or has been in existence for over 3,000 years. So it's been here for a while. And the earliest found writings about TCM um, were on pieces of tortoise shells and bones, and they date back to the Shang Dynasty, which was about the 15th to 11th centuries BCE, so quite a long time ago. And uh, one source I found said that the foundational Chinese medicine texts, where it was actually written down, date back to the Han Dynasty. Um, And you can, when you think about it, you can think of four famous or foundational texts that really set the uh, foundation and the start of TCM. So just as a list, the first one is the inner canon of the Yellow Emperor, the Yellow Emperor's canon of 81 difficult issues, the treaty treaty on cold damage disorders, and Shennong's Materia Medica. So <laughs> quite big words, but you know, it might be useful if you're interested in going back into the history, getting into the actual root of the practice. But before that was written down, people would pass it along for, you know, those first few thousands years as a narrative tradition. So either in the form of classics like stories and passed on orally to preserve the knowledge. So it would go from family to family or throughout the village. Um, And it wasn't until the 1950s and 60s in China where the Chinese government decided to codify uh, TCM, which means like formalize it, write it down. Um, and put it into more formal practice where you could like go into places to get treatment. So that's a brief history <laughs> in like a few seconds of TCM. I'm sure there's more sources that you could look up um, to learn more about it. But I think that's all we need to know before we get into the real principles of TCM and you know some of the concepts that are really important to understand. So I guess you guys could take it away for that. All right. So I guess first up in the fundamental principles of TCM, 
is the concept of the organs of the body. So in TCM, each organ um, is associated with an element. And so there are five main organs, essential organs that pl play a big role in TCM. There is the heart, which is associated with fire, the spleen, which is associated with earth, lungs associated with metal, the kidneys, which are really associated with water, and the liver, which is associated with wood. So, um, <laughs> Lena, do you want to tell us all about how this plays into TCM with the yin and yang? Yin mm, and yang? Yeah. I think at first I want to point out that when I went to the fortune teller in Taiwan, they also pointed out those elements. And I think I remember it because wood stood out to me as an element that was included because I was like, wood isn't an element. It's not earth, fire, water, air, mm -hmm. but um, it's all connected. And mm -hmm. I think yeah. Hannah also pointed out or talked about some of those elements, mm -hmm. right? When With she astrology. Yeah. Astrology and everything like that. So it's all connected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I guess similar to the fortune telling, the yin yang is about all these elements in balance and then all these organs in balance working together. And yin yang are just like opposites of each other and they're associated with different things. So yin is, oh, they're both like manifestations of tea, which we'll get into later, but yin refers to um, things that are cold, moist, um, dark, things like that. And then yang refers to manifestations of tea that are light, um, warm or hot, or they're dry, they're bright, um, more active. So that's how you associate like yin is the moon and yang is the sun um, in mm -hmm. other medias as well. And in like the TCM perspective, it views the whole body as a whole and elements are balanced and in harmony and I hate saying in harmony because that sounds so like uh, like oriental Cliché. I don't know yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah but it is what it is I guess this is the origin <laughs> um and that's when everything's working together do you, Sally do you have anything to add yeah so I guess going off of that um when there is an imbalance in the yin and yang that's when the any diseases that show up it can be explained by this imbalance and and based on the yin yin and yang theory you can use that to diagnose what's the problem like the root cause of the disease mm. Mm -hmm. um should we go into tea a bit yeah or? do you want to explain okay. chi? yeah so tea is basically like energy or your what makes you alive um, and according to the Coursera course that Sally and mm -hmm. I took, so tea is connected to the body via the blood and tea belongs to the yang manifestation and has like a warm, um, capacity whereas blood is associated with yin and is the nourishing function. And the professor mentioned that there were two classical teachings that exemplify this connection, which is that tea is the commander of blood, and then blood is the <laughs> mother <laughs> of tea. <laughs> um, which basically means that tea is the motivating force behind blood formation. 
And when tea is doing well, then you're like your blood is doing well and is making a lot and is carrying your energy throughout all of the organs that Sally mentioned. And in clinical practice, Chinese medicine um, treats things like blood deficiency with herbs that um, help with the tea and nourish the blood as well. Um, so, but then we see manifestations of tea in different things like tea going, which is martial arts. And that's like another way of harnessing energy. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Adding on to what you said about treating stuff with medicine, I think usually in TCM, when you have too much of one element, you try to treat it by, um, prescribing more of the opposite element. So for example, if you have too much like wet dampness, you'll do, you'll have more of like the hot stuff to overcome that imbalance. So that's mm. basically how Chinese medicine works. I really wish that we had, so Linda and I, part of our public health um, science, like last senior classes, we had to take history of public health and they covered a lot of Western history, especially in like Europe and how people oh, like the leeches of, or whatever. The, yeah. Leeches and humors and it had a similar idea of you wanted to have balance and there's certain like cold and um, different characteristics associated with different organs and types of fluids. Uh, like there were four main fluids, right, Linda? But we didn't mm-hmm. talk about like Eastern or Chinese medicine at all, which I'm not surprised, but also I'm frustrated at because I feel like it would complement our understanding of, you know, the history of health overall. Like if you're going to call it the history of public health, then... Mm-hmm would have been helpful to learn but it's interesting to see the parallels as someone who didn't like I had no understanding of this at all so the only thing I knew of like yin and yang was from uh, like tattoos that like people (laughs) (laughs) or like there's a scene in Mulan where um they each have like a piece of it like one is the yin and one is the yang and like it represents their balanced relationship I don't know but it was not ever explained to me like this so Interesting to see the parallels. Yeah. Yeah, I guess in popular culture, the only time I remember like mainstream media talking about traditional Chinese medicine is when Michael Phelps got cupping done. (laughs) (laughs) I think before like the 2008 Olympics, Mm, he had like all these cupping marks and people were like, Mm. what? What is that? So then they did a whole exclusive about cupping. I think I remember that or the idea of cupping became more popular, especially for athletes. Like Mm -hmm. now, Mm -hmm. like even my mom is not surprised to see the cupping marks on athletes. And I think that's sort of the same cultural way that acupuncture went. Like it used to be like this really like, what? Like needles in your skin kind of thing. But I guess through Mm -hmm. media and either movies or athletes or however Western audiences were exposed to it. Now it seems like you're used to it, but still the idea of chi and like energy is very like as Linda would say like orientalized or like still seen as kind of like this mystical or not quite science practice mm-hmm. right yeah mm-hmm. well do we want do we want to get into some of the actual TCM practices that people do so besides cupping there's um other ways you can practice TCM that doesn't explicitly involve like, I guess, eating like a medicine or like eating something or herbs or stuff to 
trait and illness. These are more, these more have to do with like movement and um, move, like changing the chi inside your body. So some examples um, are Tai Chi, Qigong, acupuncture, um, cupping, as I mentioned, Gua Sha and pressure points or massage. So personally, I have experience well i wouldn't say experience explicitly but i'm kind of familiar with tai chi and qigong um because that's what my grandpa does i remember when i was a little child (laughs) um my grandpa took care of me and my sister so he lived with us for a while and every morning he'd be out in our driveway doing tai chi (laughs) and i'd be like grandpa what are you doing (laughs) because our neighbors would stare but you know it was fine but basically um I looked it up and Tai Chi is, um, it's like movement for your whole body. Um, and a similar idea is Qigong, which is similar to Tai Chi in where you're moving your body in a way where you're like, I guess, like enhancing the flow of Qi or something. But for Qigong, it's more targeted and specific to a certain area. So nowadays I'm more, I guess, my grandpa, and he also influenced my mom to do this too, but he does more qigong. Um, and he learns all of this from books too, like I guess traditional Chinese books. But he does this qigong exercise called swinging hands exercise or in Cantonese, it's called la zao gong. So mm. basically you are um, just swinging your arms while bending your knees and like you're straightening your legs as you swing your hands down so you start with your hands um parallel to your shoulders and then you swing them past your body down while you straighten your legs and that's supposed to help the i guess circulation of chi and this exercise actually has been well i think anecdotally but not like I don't think it's like a huge study sample, but it's been known to cure certain diseases and it's just good for overall health. Like I guess blood circulation too. So my grandpa does this every day and I think mm. my mom does too. And I think mm. you're supposed to do it 400 times every day. 400? Before wow. you eat every morning. Wow. So Yeah. Sally, when are you going to pick it up? I tried it. I can only do 100. And I was like, it's too much. (laughs) (laughs) Ming, let's try it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I will. But yeah, that's a secret to my grandpa's health. (laughs) Because he's 90, 92. And he is in very good health right now. Mm. What about you, Linda? Do you have any experience with any of these other practices Mm. well my mom is in the tai chi league so they have like a teacher to help them and then they did like a whole showcase in front of the lincoln memorial it was wildly (laughs) popular for some reason (laughs) um because they had like like tai chi leagues from around the dmv area come Mm -hmm. and do it and like traditional dancers and people like that so i think it's like People can approach it from an artistic or cultural point of view as well. But I tried. Tai Chi is, it's so hard. But I think the hard part for me is like moving slowly and like mm, being like yeah. measured and not just getting to the destination. I know. Um, I'm so impatient. Yeah. 
when my grandpa tried to teach me Tai Chi, I was like, can you just do this faster? <laughs> like <laughs> literally moving so slowly. And it's like, it's very yeah. boring, I guess, for a child. <laughs> Mm. is there any it's purpose kind of behind the like the slow movement like was that ever explained to you why or just, you're supposed to do some kind do of it. breathing while oh. you do it mm. i think and my mom can do this thing where she like breathes in air to like her stomach and i've tried it and like i can't i'm like <laughs> how is that possible well because you're breathing in air to your lungs but like she made me feel her like stomach while she did it and it like came out and i was like oh mm. like how do you do that? But she says it's from practicing some kind of qigong, which is like, qi also is like air, I think, in Mandarin. So there's that connection. And I don't think we explain what cupping is, but cupping is like you're you're using the suction of a jar or something to like draw out toxins from the skin and like improve circulation. Is that right, Sally? Yeah, that sounds right. I think a yeah. lot of these things are for circulation in general. And I think acupuncture, well, that's more for circulation of the chi. I think acupuncture um, is you're sticking the needles in so that you're releasing any like blockage of the chi at certain pressure points too. But that's also mm. like a whole nother thing. Yeah. I've tried cupping. I did it like because my mom did it with like machines where you're like hooked up and then it like sucks out air manually. But we, when we do it at home, we take like a lighter and then we like light up the inside of a jar and then you like put it to your skin. And like when the fire like burns up the oxygen or like the air inside the jar, it like creates the suction um, mechanism. But it's so hard. Like the only place I can do it, I can stick it on is like on my ass. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's doing anything there. But you can still do it at home. I think we use like a jam jar or something. We also do gua sha at home. And then that's like you How do take you do this. Gua sha? Yeah. There's like specific like gua sha like cards or something. Is you're like scraping your skin basically mm. at like certain points and then i think to connect it to like the hot and cold thing you're supposed to alleviate some heat or like hot toxins or something <laughs> from your skin that's why you look so like red and inflamed after you do it and your skin feels kind of warm because it's so like agitated um but all this stuff is going to the surface and i never tried it because it just looks so gruesome um but apparently it feels really good afterwards. And then we also do massage is, at home. Is gua sha related at all to, you know, the the beauty influencers who will use like jade rollers mm. on their face or like the scrapers? Like I remember who to, Bub's Beauty. Bub's Beauty was like the first YouTuber I watched and she had like this, it wasn't a jade roller. It was like a scraper that she would use to like scrape down her neck and her cheeks. And is that at all related or like a similar concept? No, I think that's related, but probably derivative, not directly related. Mm -hmm. I know there's this beauty influencer called Sarah Chung, my girl Sarah, <laughs> <laughs> aka Sacho, I think, on YouTube. Oh I my god! Remember that. <laughs> Anyways, uh, she has this beauty line like that has her YouTube name Sacho Beauty, and she sells like the jade roller, except 
not jade, stainless steel and a gua sha tool that you're supposed to mm. use on your face. And I think the idea is similar where you're trying to improve the circulation and reduce inflammation. Like, I, I think immediately after it's inflaming or provoking this, I shouldn't say provoking, irritating, <laughs> agitating <laughs> the skin. <laughs> but like the long term effects is that you're bringing all that toxin to the surface mm. so that it's like less inflamed afterwards. But yeah. Linda, you have experience of any of the other things? Um, what other things do we have? There's like massage and pressure points. There's like a couple that like my mom attacks me with when I go home. It's like the at like the top of my head, it's there's like they're like associated with different parts of your body, but I can't remember anything. Um, but there's like part, like pressure points are supposed to be good for your kidneys or good for circulation or good for growing hair, stuff Mm. like that. And it's so painful when, when she like tries to massage me in the spots and then, but like, she tells me to like do it to her like as hard as I can. And (laughs) I don't know. I can't remember what the connection is, but. There's a lot, and then she can like go after them with a large amount of accuracy. But I do remember like ear massage is like a big thing, and I never heard mm. of anyone else doing ear massages. Like when I was young, I was like, I have to go, I have to give my my mom an ear massage. Um, <laughs> but it's, apparently, it's like full of pressure points, and then we have this this like large like stuffed ear with like pressure points labeled on it, and it's like a hundred of them. So it was like a very oh, wow. stimulating part. Um, I feel like if you just like grab your ear, you'll you'll be hitting some pressure points <laughs> if you want a massage. Yeah, my dad tried to teach me some pressure points to massage, but I always forget it. But I think I I think he told me like the temples as one, and then um, between your like the s- squeezing like the bridge between your uh, your nose between your mm-hmm. eyes. Yeah, it's like one. I don't really know what each one does. He just tells he just tells me like it's good to do this. And I'm like, okay. Mm. They never explain. Mm-hmm. They just like do it. Mm-hmm. Sally, did you do like regular massage? Like not pressure points? Mm, I like getting massages, but <laughs> it's not like traditional Chinese medicine massage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just make my sister massage me. <laughs> <laughs> Although we've recently upgraded to the massage gun. Like the oh. massage. <laughs> we have a knockoff Theragun. <laughs> Wait, I feel like massages are common household or to have massage tools is like a common household thing for like the Asian Americans I know because Stefan and you've been to his house. His dad like this has this huge massage chair um, <laughs> and he says that it's his dad's chair. Like he has to sit in the chair every night to get massaged. <laughs> And then when I went to Tim's house, I think, yeah, Tim has an even fancier massage chair that is also his dad's chair to sit in. And it's like so high tech. His dads are just flexing their chairs. Yeah. Like you sit in it and it like goes over your arms, your legs, you like strap in and you get fully (laughs) massaged Mm -hmm. down. And I had never seen that before, but he was like talking about how you get like a discounted chair, but you want the brand name chair. (laughs) Have you tried it? Um... I don't 
think so. I've sat in it, but I don't think we've turned it on. I'm like too short for the one that Stefan has. So like my feet mm. dangle. So I can't get the full experience. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I know like when I was younger at malls, they would used to have massage chairs like yeah. in the middle yeah. of the hall. And he would like pay to like sit in them. And my mom never let me because she was like, I know. seats are probably filthy, <laughs> like dirty. <laughs> So I don't think, and I haven't gotten a massage because I don't, I'm not a fan of the idea of people like touching me, but maybe we can get massages together. Mm, with my oh. class pass. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Where were we? Okay. So moving on, mm-hmm. I guess we can talk about how TCM plays into foods. Mm-hmm. So because this is my lecture time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeet hey. <laughs> yeah, the other day I was mentioning Yeet Hey, the friend, and I was like, Ming doesn't know what Yeet Hey is. And then Ming was like, I don't. But <laughs> she looked it up. But I'm gonna um, explain to everyone so that there's no confusion what Yeet Hey and like the idea of Yeet Hey comes from. So mm-hmm. I found this website that explains it very well and it's called the website's called i-c.co, but if we'll link it down below if you want to read more <laughs> into it. But basically, um, hey is like in Mandarin, it translates to chi, which in English translates to hot air, literally. So it's the idea of um, like hotness in TCM. So hey is bad because if you eat too much eat hay foods then you have too much hot air which as we mentioned before any imbalance of any one element is not good so um yeah foods in um, tcm they're understood as by categories such as movements flavors and energies so movements that refers to how certain foods move around in our body um, and then the flavors are the five flavors that we know. Sweet, sour, bitter, salty, and acrid. Um, and these can also, these five flavors can also correspond to the five organs that I mentioned before. But anyways, when you have too much, for example, too much heat, hay, or too much heat, that can lead to fevers, uh, flushed face, sweat, irritability, inflammation, and ulcers. On the other hand, if you have too much cold, that can lead to fatigue, paleness, stomach pains, cramps, and sore joints. So if you have too much of one thing, what do you do? As I mentioned before, just treat it with the opposite. So eat foods of the opposite energy. Um, so I guess to give you guys a little bit of an idea of what is considered hot and what is considered cold, I'll read off a list so hot foods is anything that's fried. So chips is the main thing. Um, and then like anything else you can think of that is fried. Beef, chestnut, cinnamon, coffee, chili peppers, garlic, ginger, ginseng, peanuts, and lychee. Which lychee sounds very in like counterintuitive because it's mm-hmm. like a moist and usually cold fruit. But it's actually hot. It's actually a hot food. Okay. On the other hand, we have cold foods, which consist of bamboo shoots, bananas, bitter melon, clams, coconut water, 
crabs, cucumber, daikon, green tea, mung beans, water chestnut, and watermelon. Mm. So yeah, what do you mm. think of the list, Ming? When I first heard of, because I did look it up, like you said, because <laughs> I had to, you know, educate myself. Um, yeah, the thing that I think most people, including myself, would be taken aback by is that the fact that it's called hot and cold or heating and cooling is like mm-hmm. kind of a misnomer in a way because you would assume that if it's hot like literally hot the temperature of it it would be considered a hot food but you're right like I don't know I was I guess I was thrown off by that so I was wondering if like when you were reading off the list of the food items I was trying to think if there's anything besides the label of it being like a hot or a cooling food if there was anything in common with like the actual food that would give it that characteristic or has that ever been explained to you like why these things are heating yeah. or cooling i think it actually makes a lot of sense when you think about it on how based on like how it makes your body feel like i mentioned before mm-hmm. hot foods make you more your throat more irritated and like mm-hmm. you get like you're more prone to like a flush face or like sweating and so and inflammation so like if you think about it chips if you eat too many chips your throat gets irritated um Mm -hmm. and basically for me i just think about how my throat reacts so like lychees if i eat too much lychee my throat gets itchy too Hmm. um and then stuff like garlic and ginger they're i guess they're very like aromatic so Mm -hmm. they're like more sensitive to it but cold things oh another cold thing that's not on the list that it's like a common commonly used to treat if you have too much hot air is uh, grass jelly, which in Chinese mm. is long fun. So it literally says like cooling jelly. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically when you eat um, grass jelly or drink green tea or eat mung beans, it makes it makes my throat more soothed. Mm. Or like mm-hmm. it just like feels cool, so that's that what sense. I think of when I think of hot. Yeah, when you cold. think of like the jellies, especially yeah. of like cooling down your throat. Yeah. Um, mm. Also, I'm manifesting your skin, kind of like you're breaking right. out if yeah. you're eating that's true. too much chips. It's like inflammation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. When okay, so when you think about the foods that are like hot or cool, do you think like does your family think of it in like the day-to-day of like preparing the meal you want a balanced plate or is it more like what when you're thinking of your health like you get what I mean because I I think in like western like when you think of a balanced meal you're thinking like your fruits your vegetables your meat you want it all like to be proportional but like do you think about this day-to-day or is it more just like oh you're having a health concern let me think about what you've eaten I think usually my at least for my family, we don't think about it when we're preparing meals, but when we're eating like a specific item, usually these like cold and hot things, they're not something like most, like for example, rice is neutral. It, not everything mm. has to have like a specific hot or cold. So these things on okay. the list, I guess, are more in the extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we do happen to eat like more of hot foods, you'll try to balance it out later with a cold food. Mm -hmm. So, or depending on like the state of your body, like if I have a lot of acne, my dad will be like, eat some watermelon or (laughs) drink some mung bean soup. 
something like that. Mm-hmm. So what is a case where you would have too much cooling foods? Like how would that manifest? Like a stomachache or something else? Um, yeah, fatigue, stomach pains, yeah, cramps, sore joints. Mm. I feel like it's usually more the it's more of like eat hate is more of a problem than coldness. Mm-hmm. At least in yeah. my experience. Yeah. I think because we're in America and everything is fried. Yeah. And everything has, mm. I don't know, hot air in it. Linda, does your family, I guess you don't call it eat hay, but do you have a similar concept that you follow or when you're thinking about food? Yeah, I guess similar to what Sally was talking about. Whenever we have like fried stuff or like something that has a lot of oils or something that's really hot, we eat mung bean soup to go with it as just like, aside which i think people do that too like if you eat like a meat or like something fried you usually eat it with a side um mm-hmm. so that makes sense and similar to that i don't think we position it that way to proactively balance it um but i think my parents or maybe like the older generation likes to eat bland stuff so they go <laughs> for like mung bean soup or like tofu or things like that that are easier for the stomach um mm-hmm. but i think a lot of the guidance i received is like for during your period you're not supposed to eat mm. um cooling stuff like my mom won't let me eat watermelon or ice cream but i mean i eat it anyway <laughs> um but so that's just been like the guidance when you're mm-hmm. on your period when you're on your period you're in a cooling like your body is already cooling so you want to eat something hot hot you said you your mom wants you to eat hot food, like eat hay food yeah to like replenish the blood i think oh, okay. so mm-hmm. i don't know if this was in the list but stuff like red bean and like dates and lychees longans goji berries are what you eat during that time mm-hmm. yeah so that actually leads me to that's actually the recipe for my grandpa's red date tea which this is what like longan uh red dates and goji berries these three things is what he puts in his red date tea and it's supposed to be replenishing your blood so i guess a lot of these things are red in color which is why they believe it's like blood replenishing (laughs) but you're supposed to drink that when you i guess feel cold or don't have enough blood and but the weird thing is that um when you're on your period you're not supposed to drink it oh it's supposed to do after yeah yeah yeah. you're supposed to do it after but not during the period oh i don't really know why but that's just the thing the rule i think after all the blood comes out you need to replenish it yeah or yeah linda do you want to share your recipe my blood restoration potion (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah it's like stuff that sally mentioned and i made it for myself one time and like i don't know where to source longans from so i just got it from home and they're like dried up and i like smashed them open with the bottom of my cup and i felt like a monkey like in the forest like smashing my nuts or whatever um but it has like other things like walnut 
which like my mom says is good for your brain because it looks like a yes, brain that's like what my grandpa one. says too <laughs> and he says you have to eat four a day like no more no less <laughs> i don't eat any walnuts but that's what you're supposed to do mm-hmm. and i think we like to make it kind of sweet so we have like the jellies and then like the white tree fungus. I don't know why we use white tree fungus for sweet stuff. And then we use like the black tree fungus for savory stuff. I use the white Have tree fungus for... My grandpa puts that in his soup, actually. And that's salty or savory. Mm. But I think... I don't know why the difference for white and black. But I know the white tree fungus is really good for collagen or in like your skin. Hmm. they love collagen they love that shit <laughs> um, yeah i saw a tiktok where it was like collagen is like their crack <laughs> <laughs> i also have ginkgo berries i mean ginkgo seeds are really nice and like no one sells them so my mom likes to go to this like ginkgo tourist area and like oh shake gosh. off the seeds <laughs> yeah shake off the seeds your mom <laughs> loves so harvest. good yeah your mom's a real life Animal Crossing character. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then you can just get arrested. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I feel like we've covered a lot of, um, you know, anecdotal knowledge, but also like the foundational concepts of TCM. But I'm curious about more of like your family's history with it or how you were taught growing up. Because it sounds like you weren't like, explicitly taught like let me sit you down and explain you the concepts of chi but it's more of like every day or you know sometimes your mom will get you to do some cupping on you or something like that like um so you were more like raised with it and i'm also curious if you read about it or like if you ever looked into it like what inspired you to take the course so i guess there's several questions in there but feel mm. free to take your pick i took the course because Luna told me to <laughs> But yeah, I, I was also interested in it because I know nothing. I just do what my parents tell me to do and accept it. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know why mm-hmm. I do the things I do. Mm. What about you, Linda? Um, so the course originated from the Rogue Tassa. They were taking it and they invited me to like be in their group. And but then I never went. And then Sally and I just did it i think yeah similar to sally we i wasn't like indoctrinated into Mm. like specific knowledge it was just like following orders um or like commands stuff like that or like just doing things together uh but yeah i don't even know how to explain it like i just know something's tcm Mm. when So like, what do you think? It's just like the vibes, right? It's just like the when vibes. you can't explain why you're doing it, but you know it's right. Then it's TCM. <laughs> yeah. That's a good like marketing phrase for TCM. it. Yeah. Okay, let's talk oh, about Oh, yeah, you guys didn't talk about right ice water. <laughs> so I guess like it's a common Asian parent thing to, t- to say it's like bad to drink ice water, especially in the morning. Mm-hmm. And there is a actual explanation for that. I found this article from healthymatters.com.hk. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, um, it's bad to drink cold water in general and ice drinks because they weaken the spleen and stomach, interfering mm. with their normal functions. And the spleen is a major organ for the formation and circulation of chi. So if 
If spleen is damaged, you know, it's bad for the overall chi of your body. And also the spleen adapts to moderate and warm temperatures better. So I guess the cold water is like the opposite environment that you want your spleen to be in. And mm. um, interestingly, I uh, this can also lead into like a more traditional medicine viewpoint. Like if you're harming your spleen by drinking cold water, that's also it also weakens your immunity because the spleen is the organ that creates like um, all your immune cells. So you're weakening your immune system and being more susceptible to pathogens and infectious diseases. So, mm. Okay, this is one thing from TCM that I have heard of repeatedly because my lovely boyfriend always yells <laughs> at me when I try to drink ice water in the morning. Because the way I was raised is like, um, I, I got, there was like no issue with ice water or ice drinks. It's like a refreshing beverage, I guess. And so every morning I have like a nice chilly glass of water. And whenever I go over to his house, that is not available. <laughs> it's like their worst <laughs> nightmare. <laughs> yeah, you're not allowed to drink that or he disapproves. Um, I guess that makes sense if you're talking about like uh, the cold water is like shocking the spleen or it's like not ideal because mm -hmm. I guess your body temperature is already pretty warm so introducing like super cold water into it but I feel like we battle about it every time <laughs> <laughs> just don't battle just submit. I would love to just <laughs> me submit no he can no I'd, I prefer to be like we agree to disagree we, <laughs> we like our different temperature water <laughs> just have hot water in the morning and then cold water later on mm. Mm, perhaps <laughs> but ice water is the only word you know how to say ice water in Chinese right <laughs> yeah performance yes, I have to drink it no no I have to drink uh, that's the only thing I can order at like in Taiwan that was like the one thing I could order on my own so like how would I survive ordering warm water I couldn't <laughs> you should have taught me that <laughs> My parents also always order warm water at restaurants mm. and then really? I used to get so embarrassed. I'm like, don't ask for warm water because they always give you like ice water. Yeah. yeah. Do they get confused yeah. when your parents ask for warm water? Kind of. But they either give us like boiling water or it's obviously that they just put the water in like in a the microwave. microwave. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because... um. And like, and when I was growing up, warm water was seen as like a health thing. Like if you had a sore throat, you would gargle with like salt and warm water mm -hmm. and you would drink warm water when you have an upset stomach. So there obviously is like connections, even in the Western perspective of warm water. But I guess we like our icy water too much as like, <laughs> I like as my water refreshing. Cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we I guess instinctively know that warm water is better but like we want yeah. that rush in the I'm morning I'm here for a good time not a long time yeah. <laughs> mm. well um, besides <laughs> I guess mostly the the ice water thing but are there things that you like have carried on with you now that you're living alone too like besides the cooking and things like that like um, do you do the um, pressure points on yourself or like only drink warm water in the morning or do you like catch yourself like cheating or like eating too much of like the eat hay kind of foods you know <laughs> mm, I don't drink cold water in the mornings anymore actually so I guess that anymore, is one thing. but there was a history of it 
I mean, at home, because we have a cold water dispenser mm-hmm. in our, from our fridge, mm-hmm. it's like, it's too easy. But now, because I had to like bring a beverage into work so that I have something to drink throughout the day, I'll, I'll just make a tea in the morning mm-hmm. and then drink my hot tea throughout the day. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's a change. Although it's <laughs> not like something I did thinking about TCM. Like intentionally. Is, yeah. yeah. Mm. Sally, you never did the wet hair thing. I dutifully blow dry my hair throughout college. Um, oh, we didn't mention know, that. I, I always go around with wet hair, so I'm really bad at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my dad would be so triggered <laughs> if he saw. You should explain it, wet hair. Okay, so basically parents just get triggered whenever we have wet hair, like damp hair, and we don't dry it. And it's like, my, I don't know why my dad is like the main trigger because my mom doesn't care that much. But every time my dad sees me come down stairs with wet hair, he's like, go dry it. Oh <laughs> Does he realize how much work has to go into drying such long hair? Like, he he's really has dried to stand my hair before, dryer. so he knows, but... Well, what know. is the the thought behind it, I suppose? Because I've also heard you the wet hair... cold. Yeah. Yeah. But only, like, when it's cold. Like, my mom only tells me... Well, it's mostly my grandma. But she only says it, like, when it's cold outside. Like, don't go outside in the winter with wet hair. Which makes sense, I guess, because the water would freeze. But, like, even during, like, a warm day, your dad would still yeah get upset. 365 days in a year. <laughs> <I'll say laughs> no matter that. the temperature, no matter <laughs> the weather. <laughs> I think it's just because you don't want your head to be, like, damp. All the, like, soaking in the water maybe it's mm. like too much dampness it's like over mm. it's a yin powering. energy yeah mm-hmm. but i don't so really know Linda, the actual basis behind it oh you like you do dry your hair every time um i think i've seen I you with one hair like once besides the pool <laughs> oh no more yeah i used to do it like all in college but mm-hmm. i'm like i don't like the feeling of like a wet head <laughs> Me After too. Washing. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like yeah. energizing somehow. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Also, Especially I when it's like outside. back of your hair to like dry it. Yeah. 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 That too. That's why I don't dry Yeah. It. Yeah. Because doesn't it give you like more split ends or it just like it's damages? Your hair drier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like rough. <laughs> yeah. I'm also like every time that I, well, I don't dry my hair at all really. I don't use a hair dryer, but anytime I'm like walking around outside and I have like wet hair, I'm just like, I'm saving the environment. I'm not using a <laughs> hair dryer to dry my hair. <laughs> like I'm so eco-friendly. <laughs> I mean, it dries probably pretty not fast at all. in the sun. Yeah, I like mm-hmm. that feeling too. Like the sun, like mm-hmm. stepping out in the sun with a little damp hair. <laughs> I bet <laughs> if your dad was listening to this, he would be like screeching. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any other things that we didn't touch on that are not food related, but similar um, practices or kind of guidance you were told? Not get blown by the air conditioner. Oh, yeah. That's like thing. not to stand in front of air conditioners. Yeah. Is it the same idea? Yeah, like that like cold air. Cold. Mm. I guess cold air is, gives, makes you more prone to like, having colds. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, the thing is like you, you don't you catch a cold by like being cold yeah. was like my mom's philosophy. But it's like I'm like, no, it's bacteria. When I learned what bacteria <laughs> were, I tried to argue and I, I lost every time. Um, <laughs> but I think it's 
is the thing like having cold and damp stuff makes you like more susceptible to bacteria was the compromise mm. but i don't know yeah well that brings up a question that i had a, another one for you guys but um did you ever like learn something that was like based in tcm that um like is contradicted by something else you learned either from like school or just something you've heard i guess that like directly contradicts it and like if you did how do you decide or you just make the most convenient choice i don't know i don't think ccm really contradicts western medicine specifically like maybe the Mm -hmm. whole idea of tcm is a contradiction to western medicine but i think it kind of exists in like a parallel timeline you know what i mean like (laughs) it's like it's like the the fundamental principles of tcm are very different from western medicine and tcm is dealing with a more holistic view um Mm. in terms of like both looking at like the entire body and also trying to treat diseases and ailments at the source like by you know treating the coldness or whatever which is a completely Mm -hmm. different thing from western medicine where you're just trying to like stop the symptoms you're not going toward like the root cause Mm -hmm. you're just trying to like you know put the antibiotics in into anti-inflammation drugs like stopping the body's reaction at that moment so it's a very Mm -hmm. different Mm -hmm. thing i think Mm -hmm. i think both of them are more preventative yeah yeah Mm -hmm. well yeah there's the whole Okay, so when I was like briefly interested in going into med school, like in high school, I was looking into the different like schools and what you have to do. And um, there's like two different branches of Western medicine at this point. It's like the osteopathic and the the other one, <laughs> the mainstream one. <laughs> yeah, the mainstream one where you get your like MD. Mm-hmm. But the osteopathic DO is more about like the the seeing the person as a whole yeah. and more preventative medicine and instead of doing quick fixes with like medicines or surgeries it's more about like um looking to the source so it is interesting that even in western medicine it has kind of split or like you have a different ideology and in public health classes i think linda we talked a lot about how um like the us as a country should put a lot more money and like invest a lot more either research or money or whatever into like preventative treatments and you know stopping it beforehand especially when it comes to like you know social determinants of health we can go on and on about it after that one class but Mm -hmm. i think the perspective is shifting especially because of this pandemic but i wonder if it ever would align with tcm exactly probably not just because of like culturally but maybe that same principle idea of looking at things from the source and trying to fix the actual issue, you know? Mm, yeah. I think it has to do with like the payer model as well. Cause we talked about this at work, how it's hard to get like executives to buy into preventative work because stuff like surgeries or like mm. high intensity treatments are more lucrative for the health system. So you kind of have to persuade like hospitals to, invest Mm -hmm. and he had to be like oh it's a good roi you're not gonna spend that much later i was like so confused by that because i was like isn't it more expensive to do surgery so don't don't you like not want to do it but then it like pays more you know like the patient has to pay you more um stuff like that so are they just like extracting um it's capitalism i guess which is another factor why it won't line up 
completely, but also there's a lot of people who are going into TCM. Like, mm, are we going to talk as an about institution? That? Yeah. What are your thoughts? So, from my outsider thought, but when I was looking up the history of TCM just for this episode, I was like really thrown off by the the web, my quick Google searches that I found because I was trying to get like the actual history. So, you know, my four years of college taught me to like avoid Wikipedia and like go primary to like sources. <laughs> yeah, primary sources, journals and things like that. So I did find a few journals, but I also found this website from, let me look it up, the American College of TCM. And it's like this whole, like they were talking about how they were accredited. And then I looked at the place that accredited them. And like this, this it's a whole like institutionalized thing at this point. And so like I thought a four-year college thing where you take classes and... Yeah, you know. yeah. It's like a whole like, maybe not four-year, but it is okay. a college-based system where you like have faculty and you sign up. And I don't know, I just thought it was interesting because I've always heard of TCM from your perspectives where it's like your mom telling you or it's like passed down mm -hmm. through family. So it's interesting now that it's becoming institutionalized in the US or I guess because people want to practice it, right? They want to like help their patients. But in our system of healthcare, you have to be like accredited or licensed, you know, people can't be going around doing treatments on people. So it kind of works against the concept of like passing it down, mm. like just generationally, mm. right? Yeah, because there's like a DCAM, DACM degree, Doctor of Acupuncture in Chinese Medicine, which is like an actual like doctoral oh, wow. degree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on it? Or I guess this topic in general. I don't know. I guess it like makes it more appealing to people who are, I remember going to acupuncture and being some like sketchy like <laughs> some corner um it's like my mom's friend who did it but I was like if the average person like wanted to try it mm -hmm. I guess having like some doctor of like Chinese medicine would be would offer a sense of security but like I was saying before it's not the vibe I think when they do it <laughs> Yeah, it's become too into institutionalized yeah. or like polished Western. Yeah, I feel like that's the same conversation that people have um, about like like um, Asian food places. Like I've definitely mm -hmm. seen some discourse online where if you like go and they don't have like proper menus or something like that, then you're like in the right place to get like right legitimate chinese food or something like that but like if you go to some of these more hip or like hybridized places but i don't know there's an argument for both sides i suppose oh like gatekeeping it or something yeah and like like you said about like the average person wouldn't feel comfortable or feel knowledgeable enough to like go to some place that has the vibes that you say linda but yeah maybe a form of gatekeeping but also you want to keep it you want to keep it to its roots at least a little bit. It feels weird to like go onto the faculty page and see like white men teaching mm -hmm. TCM. Yeah. yeah. How do you think about like non-Asian people take or non-Chinese people teaching TCM? Mm. I feel like they should always be the student. No teachers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they can't be the master if they're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it gets complicated in that sense. Because it's, it's the yeah. same argument where mm -hmm. if you wanted to expand and like more people to get into it, then I guess you have to open the doors a little bit. But it does seem weird 
it definitely takes away the vibe. Whatever yeah. Linda was saying, <laughs> no it's just the same vibes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's weird because like, are are we like that physiologically different? Because they're like applying TCM principles to like an American audience, but there's stuff that we just don't have here, like the longan. The there is the longan lotus here. You just I mean, have to it. here, but it's not like yeah, it's not in tune with the local environment. It's or not something. at Aldi's. Mm. <laughs> yeah, not Aldi's. <laughs> it's not easy access. That's also a different argument a little bit, I think, Linda, where you were talking about the environment, like all these ingredients that you're getting. I'm assuming if they're coming here and you're finding them like at a store in Silver Spring, that they weren't grown around Silver Spring, like they had to be shipped in or something like that. So is there something to be said about it taken away from like the environment it was grown in? I guess. Oh my god, like, like the all American ginseng we found in Costco. (laughs) from Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a like a complicated discussion. It kind of brings up when I think in one episode we talked about we definitely talked about the mahjong and like the white women like taking it over and trying to rebrand it. I feel like I have the same feelings towards that as with like TCM colleges and like white people teaching TCM. Mm. Mm. I think on a lesser level, it's like in Asian American studies or something where you have to like, I don't know, assert dominance because of your <laughs> identity. Mm-hmm. Um, like if I were to talk to like an actual DACM or something like that, and they're like a white person, like would I be able to, I don't know, I just have an urge to assert dominance over nothing, mm-hmm. I guess. But they still know more than you because yeah. they learn all this stuff. So I do care. They were qualified. Also, it's like interesting to think of like if you compare your mom who's like been practicing or like implementing it in her entire life versus someone who got that like qualification or whatever, who would be respected in our society mm-hmm. when it comes to it? Probably the person with the, the certification, right? So Yeah. They just don't have the T. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why I had to learn about Yihei before like we release this episode. I can't be caught slipping like, if someone else knew about it before me. See, now everyone knows there's no misunderstandings. Yeah. <laughs> you can show off your Yihei knowledge to whoever if you're challenging now. Yeah, I'll flex with my Yihei knowledge. <laughs> Like, would you guys see an actual practitioner? Like, if you had a health issue, would you seek out, like, Chinese medicine treatment? I don't even know mm, where I'd go. Like, I don't Linda. know. What's, who's our local Chinese? Linda's mom? Chinese. <laughs> oh, yeah, just either mom. each other's moms. <laughs> <laughs> well, my mom doesn't also, know anything. Yeah, that kind of brings up the other question I was going to head in my mind. But um, do you see it as, like... A secondary like a kind of like you go to your primary doctor who's a western doctor first and then you follow up with tcm or in your mind like do you see it as your primary form of like let me think about my chi first you know i guess it depends on what you're experiencing if it's like cancer you're gonna go <laughs> to the western um doctor first but like if it's like something that's i guess relatively minor like a cold or something you can go the TCM approach but I don't think I would approach I wouldn't seek out like advice from a a TCM expert or whatever I just do what I know 
mm. already. Mm. Mm. So that kind of answers Linda's question where you wouldn't yeah. like go actually to a place. You would just use what you've learned from your parents. Yeah. Linda, mm. yeah. what about you? Maybe it would be different if we were actually in in China. We would go to like a Chinese medicine person because I don't know mm-hmm. the scene mm-hmm. there. Like what if Western medicine people are just like also pushed to the side i guess or is there a more sophisticated form of integration going on um but i would do a bit of both i think my mom ignored the western doctor and went to a tcm person and like fixed this major issue a part of it Mm -hmm. might also be like how much you believe in it how much you want to adhere to like some strict regimen that's true i think Mm. for like ongoing ailments such as like um i know someone went to do acupuncture for their asthma and actually cured them of their asthma. So I think like things that are long term mm. and like persisting even after Western treatments, sometimes TCM is a good way to treat things. Mm-hmm. Mm, or it just makes you feel better. Like yeah. it probably may, it might not cure it, but you won't feel as inflamed or mm-hmm. something like that. That's true. Or even the power of just like knowing that you're going there instead of like putting your body through like more anti- antibiotics or something like that. Yeah. It could be like, well, I'm not taking away from the physical effects of it because I believe in that too. But also maybe it's like a a mental thing too of like knowing that you're putting things from like whole things into your body versus like drugs. Yeah. Mm. I definitely think Western doctors, at least in America, are too loose with antibiotics. Like, they prescribe <laughs> yeah. antibiotics for too too easily. This is why we have all these like MRSA and like antibody resistance strains. Remember when we had to do our um, antibiotic resistance cow projects in like <laughs> oh, um, in microbiology? microbiology. <laughs> we had to do a whole presentation about these cows and how antibodies are destroying the cow or helping the cow. But yeah, I definitely agree with that. So I guess there's things that you can pick up from TCM. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think this was not an expert top or <laughs> no. not an expert episode by any means, but I think it was a great conversation to pull our anecdotes together and draw some connections between the course that Sally and I took. Um, to plug it really quickly, it's from, oh my God, I lost it's it. Of course, Sarah. Oh, every day. Yeah, mm-hmm. Everyday Chinese Medicine um, from Coursera and it's Professor Vincent Chung at, it's like Chinese University of Hong Kong. Um, mm, yeah. And then it just goes over the fundamental principles that we talked about and then you could advance from there to like intermediate Chinese medicine. So I think it's cool that they had it on Coursera and Sally and I were able to and it's free. perform. Yeah, and it's free. Perhaps I'll um, sign up. Yes. So try it out. And I think this was a good conversation for us three to have because we all come from health backgrounds in a way, mm-hmm. Sally, and like the lab with like a cellular understanding and then I <laughs> did public health, um, which focuses on like social determinants. So I think we all have a stake in health and it was cool to talk about our culture, well-being and everything like that and how it's so connected even within TCM itself. If you like this episode, make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. 
And you can find us on Instagram at movingalongpod and check out our Medium blog for all of our bonus contents. You can follow us there at movingalong.medium.com. Until next time. Bye. Bye.